Check this out. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to shut it for you real quick. Live in the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, don't roll it. Hit it downhill. With power, you run it straight downhill. You know where we're coming. And we know where y'all going to be lined up at. Now you just got to stop. I'm saying I'm better than you. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Peace mode is already inside. The doctor is now in. Any good Thursday afternoon to you, wherever you may be. You know where we're at. We're at our normal Friday home, but it is NFL opening week, and we are at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook. T.C. Martin, along with my tag team partner, usually the bookend guy on Monday and Friday, Marco D'Angelo, our handicapper extraordinaire. He is joining us today. Our other handicapper extraordinaire, Scott Spritzer, will also join us today. And uh, Jay Cornegay, the vice president of sportsbook operations here at the world-famous Superbook. He will join us as well, talking all the line moves for week number one of the NFL. Opening kickoff weekend here. And then, of course, week two of the college football season. It is football, football, and more football. Plus, we'll get in, of course, some Las Vegas Aces talk as the Aces are Two games away from clinching the best record in the NBA, number one seed, and home court advantage for the WNBA playoffs. So the champs try to go back-to-back. So we got all that going on today. And plus a special guest from the uh, NFL that will join us a little bit later on, as I like to call her, TLC. My girl, Tony, uh, who is out here today with the big... NFL football, the truck is here, as we know, as we start celebrating the Super Bowl, which will be uh, take place here at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So week one of the NFL, the countdown will begin, Marco, to Las Vegas hosting its very first ever Super Bowl. It's going to be a fantastic time then in the second week of February. But uh, here we go again, my friend, uh, the 2023 football season underway and uh, we're so happy to be here at our home here at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook. Yeah, TC, good to be here today. Love the Superbook. And uh, you might have to uh, take my handicapper extraordinaire card away from me today. Uh, <laughs> I had a horse. I didn't bet. My own horse. <laughs> Just minutes before we went on air. That definitely sounds like a story. And uh, I'll let you share that with the listeners, I did not intro that as, as, as part of the show because I didn't know how you're going to feel because I got to witness it firsthand standing next to you while you and I were checking out everything here at the Superbook and staying in line and signing up for the Super Contest, the best contest in all of Las Vegas with the heritage and the history and everything. And while that is happening, Marco D'Angelo is on his phone, even though he could have looked at a a, a big, you know, 16-foot uh, screen. Don't carry, to, my, they to, don't carry my Yeah, dog. okay. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> instead uh, we had to hear some curse words come out of Marco that uh, his, you know, so Marco is a horse racing owner, all right? This track at, at the Meadows uh, in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And his horse is running today. I was like, oh, great. Well, thanks for the heads up, Marco. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have time to bet it. Appreciate that. Well, not only did Marco not give it out to anyone, including, you know, 
me. He didn't bet on himself. And, and, and what happened to your horse? She won. <laughs> well, she won pretty easy. Wait, wait, time out. The horse that you own is running today, and you don't have one, not even one dollar? You don't even have a two dollar ticket on your own horse? Normally I do, but we were scrambling to get our contest sign up before the show started because somebody has to leave right after the show today <laughs> so we couldn't do it after the show and so I was multitasking that's funny how I get blamed for oh, this of course for, yes. for your horse winning and you not having a, a single dollar on it, it it's my fault okay c- continue yeah so you know we're multitasking we're you know signing up got to give our IDs and everything else paying the fee and I'm watching the race at the window while we're doing this and then as I saw her pull out of the, the pocket and go by the horse on the front end, that's when the uh, foul words started to come. Good thing we weren't on the air at the time. <laughs> Nine to one shot, too. Yeah. Nine to one. Yeah. Trifecta paid $1,500 for $2. A $2 exacta brought back 225 and I got nada. <laughs> so I, 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 I'm going to, to correct my friend there, okay? He said he got nada. He got Stugatz. He is the horse racing owner. So you got first prize money today as an owner. And I'm guessing it's probably in the neighborhood a lot more than you would have won uh, betting that horse for your pizza money, as Scott Spicer likes to say, at 9-1. to one. I, I, I believe you know, your horse getting in the winner's circle uh, did rather well today. It, for your yeah, pocketbook, it, we had a fire uh, close to six thousand dollars. Fifty-seven fifty is the person oh, for winning. He's complaining about winning fifty-seven fifty, but he's mad. He didn't get, is it more of an ego thing because you, you didn't bet on your horse and your horse won? No, it's a greed thing. I didn't <laughs> you, you got the green thing covered. I, well, I got the green thing covered, but I'm in horse racing because I love the sport and I love to gamble. You know that. Okay? <laughs> not necessarily in that order. Yeah, not necessarily. But it's uh, one of those things. The horse hadn't raced in a month. I talked to my trainer in the morning, and you know, we both said she fit this class. We just didn't know how much gas she'd have in the tank, if she would be a little short, needed a start, you know, get back in shape. But apparently not. She come off the bench flying. I will say this, uh, in, in your defense, uh, if my horse that I owned was in a race mm-hmm. where another horse was one to nine, uh-huh. I probably wouldn't bet my horse either. <laughs> I mean, a one to nine shot. Yeah. Now that's a little more common in harn- much more common in harness racing in comparison to thoroughbreds. But a one to nine shot is not supposed to lose. A one to nine shot is supposed to win by twenty lengths. A one to nine shot is not supposed to never not hit the board, which it didn't happen here. Yeah. So something happened. Yeah, the horse actually made a break at the top of the stretch. Uh, if you follow, I do harness racing, which is with the buggies, and the horse went off stride, and uh, we were sitting second and inherited the lead and just kept on going. <laughs> That's so, great, man. Yeah, yep, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be happy next week, next Thursday, when that check's deposited in my account. But from now to Thursday, I'm going to be grumpy because <laughs> I didn't bet. So go look that up. At the Meadows today, Wags to Riches. Winner, congratulations, Marco D'Angelo. Except, oh, yeah, he's not going to the window here at the Superbook at the Westgate to cash. <laughs> I probably would have sprung for dinner if I'd have bet the race. Oh, no, after the fact. (laughs) Look at this.
too funny, too funny. Hey, I did break my streak with you too. Uh, you know, bet the Houston Astros the last couple days, and uh, you know, I had to break my streak. I had to. I was tired. Marco was getting action down for me while I was not in the state of Nevada. So even though I was in the state of Nevada, I said, "Hey, Marco, you want to place a bet for?" Well, actually, you offered, and I said, "Now I'm gonna break break my streak with you." So I. I'd rather have you go to the window or you bet it on your app than me because I just I can't. I, I'd like to have just the vision and actually not the vision, just actually have it. You paying me money for a change instead of me paying you. And I think I talked about it on the show last Friday. It's like with you and Jay Cornegate and John Murray. It's like I, I, I'm tired of this. We got we got to change something up. So today we changed it up. Uh, two days ago had the Astros right it, it even money. And then yesterday, Justin Verlander was plus 125 because he was going against Max Scherzer of the Rangers. I was so tempted to text you or call you and say, hey, baby, let it ride. But I I bet it on my own at plus 125 yesterday. So it felt pretty good. Yeah, and whenever you say, you know, you had to pay me, you just had to reimburse me for your losing selection. That's true. That's true. That's me and his money. you know, in being the savvy better that you are, do you remember one of the losses? And we talked about it last week. And this is a public service announcement for all your <laughs> listeners. When you have a bet on a game and your pitcher that you have is pitching a no-hitter, you do not text the other guy and say, he's got a no-no through seven. Well, you know what? They play nine innings. And how'd that bet turn out? <sighs> Freak. That was just a freak no, of an accident. That is the first cardinal sin of betting. You never, okay, see, never do that. Here's never. the here's the deal. Okay, this is the difference between you and I. Okay, and and, and Nubchuck back in the studio. Okay, there's no. I'm not into the jinx theory. Okay, I'm not into the jinx. Okay, you owe me a coke, or that's gonna blow the bet for me. No, I'm not into the jinxing. Okay, what's gonna happen is going to happen. Okay, and I'm just saying, look at this, man. I feel pretty good. How do we handicap baseball? What is the First and foremost thing that we factor in when we handicap baseball. What is it? We start with the starting pitcher. Starting pitcher, thank you very much. There you go. That's why I do first five innings a lot. And Framber Valdez, and and that's smart. Framber Valdez was rolling along with a no-hitter. He did have five walks in that game. He did. He did. Wasn't as impressive as as the other one that you know, you're going to the seven, you're going to the seven, you're in the seventh inning, and your pitcher has a no-no, and basically needs less than nine outs to secure the victory. You're feeling pretty good. So, but uh, again, even though the Astros scored 39 runs in the last, you know, three games, didn't hear me like, you know, chirping in advance, did you? Well, maybe I did. Yeah. <laughs> How about Justin Verlander yesterday, huh? How about Framber Valdez the day before? Good Was stuff. Mrs. Verlander at the game? I I don't know. It was in Texas. You know, she only likes to hang on bougie places like New York's Yankee Stadium. I think <laughs> when bougie guys are in attendance with the right with the in the family seating, right, yeah. right. Okay. Uh, speaking of uh, that, remember I also told you I saw uh, J P France's wife. Uh, I think I was telling Numchuck this. Uh, that yeah, same, you didn't tell. You didn't tell me that same game. I saw her right and. Uh, so you know, she was telling me the whole story about how uh, J.P. France was homeless, and you know he's made this remarkable comeback. And the Astros were basically ready to discard him during training camp this year, uh, spring training, and he's had himself a great year. As you know, you've, you've been on France a yeah. lot, even though he did get blown up like a Christmas tree the last time. Anyway, um, just got word that uh, 
She is expecting. Nice. There you go. And I'm going like, wait a minute. When I saw her, she looked nothing close to pregnant. <laughs> but uh, as I guess they just got word a couple weeks ago. So there you go. J.P. France going to be the look Apollo. her up. I've, look her up. Compare yeah. her to, to I knew you were going to Did you mention to her when you were chatting J.P. France's wife up uh, how every time we talk when he's pitching, how much I talk him up and how much you don't like him? That's, I, that's the one guy you don't uh, like on the rotation? Full disclosure, I uh, did kind of hint to that, but when you're talking to a, a, a player's wife, you're not going to say, that guy sucks. That guy made me sick. <laughs> but I did say, I did say to her, I, you know, because she was saying, oh, yeah, we didn't know how this thing was going to turn out. I go, well, I said, to be honest with you, I said, I didn't know what was going to happen either because, you know, when I saw him pitch his first few starts, I said, it, it, it was really shaky. And she goes, oh, no, you're right. He was. He was, you know. So I'm sure you didn't tell her, but my bookend, he's, he's been all over your husband. I, I might have said uh, something. At the betting window. I, I, I might have said something okay. like that. But then yeah. again, yeah. you know, we were in New York City, yeah. and I, you got to get me got to be careful when you say a bookend. I don't know what she might think of me with that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, a bookend. Wait, 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 what do you got going there? You know, I'd rather just not explain that during okay. during the course of a baseball game. But uh, I don't know. So if we're if we're making wagers right now, Steelers uh, in the house. Right. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that game a little bit. Um, do you think I should start making plans for October baseball? Or November baseball in Houston again? They're definitely going to be in the playoffs. Whether they win the division or Seattle wins the division, that's going to be yet to be determined. I'll tell you who, you know, we talked about it yesterday, you know, texting back and forth. Them getting swept, Texas. When I say them, I'm talking Texas. And losing with Scherzer um, yesterday. That has to be so demoralizing to be swept. This is a team that was in first place for, what, three quarters of the season? Well, more than three quarters because the Astros took the uh, their lead for the first time just two days ago. They may not make the playoffs. I know. Their bullpen is in complete and utter shambles. I mean, when they come in right now, they're not coming in to put out fires. They're coming to the mound with a gasoline tank, and they're pouring the gas on an open flame, and it's it's not been good. And that's been a problem that, you know, when we talked trade deadline, you know, what we thought, I thought they were going to try to address that. You know, you were definitely a team. You're in first place. You've got to be a buyer, which they were. They went out and got another starter and a good one in Shearzer, but he can only pitch every, you know, four or five days. And you got the other games that they're blowing leads when they do get them. But right now, it's just been starters have been getting racked up and the bullpen's been getting racked up. And they really haven't been scoring runs. I, I really don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. I did call this. I did say this, that the Texas Rangers at some point are going to implode. And once the Astros take over, it's over because... When you have this mentality that we've never been there before, even though you try to retool with some free agents, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. Max Scherzer has given up 26 home runs this season. Think about that. That is not the same Max Scherzer. No. And Dusty even said it yesterday in the post-game press conference. Said, you know, I know Max, man, and you know he's he's great, but that's not the same Max. It's not. And we talked about who's going to be better, Verlander or Scherzer. And they both are not the same pitchers from the last few years. 
But Verlander is looking better, and you can see the comfort level with him back in Houston. And we knew it was going to take a few weeks, and now you could see it. Just seeing that clubhouse, seeing that uh, that dugout, and then when he takes the mound, and even when he's not pitching, it's like, I'm back where I'm supposed to be. You could see that. Shearzer's not comfortable. He's bounced around you know, from Washington to L.A. to New York and now Texas. Think about that. He's been with four teams in less than a year. It is crazy. It's insane. And the Rangers do not know how to win. And Bruce Bochy, look at the, the look on his face. It's not that the Astros just beat the Rangers. They beat him down. 39-10, to 10, they outscored him in this series in a sweep. And no game was close. The Astros had double-digit runs in every game. It's a situation that, like I said, it's unraveling for Texas, and I don't know how they can fix it. I don't think it's fixable. Uh, in Seattle, who had a little bit of a slide this past week, now finally, you know, put a couple wins together. They're back on track, and we talked about Seattle all year. This is one team uh, that is streaky, whether it's streaky on a win streak or streaky on the losing streak. They've put together a bunch of streaks this year in second half of the baseball season, along with Atlanta, along with L.A., who L.A. is having a bad week, you know, this week. Those teams have been solid, you know, all year. And I just... Uh, or second half of the year, they've been dominant, and I think that they're going to ride it into the playoffs. Uh, they got a good outing the other night from Gilbert, uh, which you know we talked about how that young pitching staff will handle the pressure uh, with meaningful games down the stretch. They're handling it better than Texas is. The Astros are completely healthy, and when you're healthy, that's a whole. You got Michael Brantley back. This guy has missed the entire season, missed the end of last year. He hasn't played in over a year. And what's he do? Come back, his bang doubles off the wall, big-time hits, hit a couple home runs now already, and he's not even in the lineup every day. And just knowing that you have that guy back, one of the best pure hitters in all of baseball, and eventually he'll probably end up at that number two spot where he normally hits. But now he's hitting like, you know, five, six in the order because Bregman is hitting out of his mind, you know, in that two-hole and four-hole. And now Pena got hot, so now Dusty's put Pena in the two-hole. But when you look at that lineup, very similar to last year, there is not an out until maybe you get to Martin Maldonado, who's batting ninth. And now he's not even catching every day because of what Yonner Diaz is doing. This rookie has over 20 homers. I mean, talk about, you know, you know rookie of the year, you know, candidate. So, I mean, they're loaded. And Maldonado went deep. He's had like three homers in, in, his, in his last two games. I mean, have you ever seen anything like it where you've got the back-to-back homers with the nine-hitter in Dubon and Altuve? Altuve has a three-homer game. Abreu has a two-homer game. Um, McCormick has a two-homer game. Altuve has another two-homer game. I mean, Altuve had seven consecutive hits in a row in at-bats. And five of them were homers. <laughs> Have you ever heard of anything like this? No, it, Especially it, from a guy who should be, you know, a jockey and wags to riches. That's what he looks like. <laughs> Phenomenal. It, it is. And you can't, you know, undervalue experience. And you said this is a team that's been there, done that. They've been deep in the playoffs every year, if not going to the World Series. And to be playing this well at this time of the year, uh, you know, 
you might have to start thinking about them as being the favorites uh, for the you know the AL. I know that Baltimore's played well. They've played the most consistent baseball of any team all season. They haven't had their ups and downs. But again, we talk about you know, like people were saying with Texas, you were waiting for them to come back to earth. People keep saying that about Baltimore because they don't have a lot of superstars on that roster, but they're just finding ways to win. Uh, but when they get to the, you know, if those two meet up in the ALCS, you've got to give a huge edge to the experience factor with the, the Astros. And then you know that when you go to playoff, pitching and series you're generally going to go with three guys and when you're putting the top three from houston where they have to figure out who number three is going to be for sure and put it against baltimore's it's going to look pretty one-sided yeah and and it could go four you know with the astros because the three are locked up it's going to be valdez verlander and javier again urquidy got you know relegated to the bullpen just because verlander came back and, and he was injured and like you said if if France or Hunter Brown can, you know, continue to, you know, do what they've been doing for the most part, especially France. Then you've got these guys that, you know, can come in and be maybe sixth or seventh inning guys, and it really extends the bullpen. That's the only um, place me and you disagree. Is I like France better than Brown, and you like Brown better than than. I don't. I'm not crazy about either one of them, but they're both going to be relievers in the postseason because it's not going to change that you got you know Valdez and Verlander and Javier those are your three guys you know right there it's like what are you going to do are you going to go with three or are you going to go add a fourth and uh, again flip a coin between Brown and, and, and France because at time Brown is the bigger strikeout guy but he's the more hittable guy but as we've seen France just doesn't have that experience Brown has a little bit more experience because he was there all last year and, you know, France got, has gotten lit up like a Christmas tree on two different occasions where, I mean, he gave up 10 runs in two innings yeah. in the one game. In that game, too, if you remember, if I'm remembering correctly, that was a stretch where Houston was giving up a, giving up a lot of runs. Mm-hmm. And I think they kind of made him a sacrificial lamb when the game got out of control to try to just eat up another extra inning before going to the bullpen because the bullpen was overworked. And it sucks whenever a starter has a line like it. It happens to everybody. You just don't have it one night, and the manager doesn't have a bullpen that he wants to call on that early. you got to take one for the team sometimes, and that's what happened in that. It might take of that game. So there were two series that were circled on the calendar if you're watching the AL West, and, and that was the series that just concluded with Houston at Texas and the Astros. Like we said, they swept them, outscored them you know, 39-10. The next one, and the last one of the season, is September 25th, 26th, 27th. This is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Houston at Seattle. And then after that, the Astros stay on the road and they close the regular season at Arizona. But that's the circled game right there. That's going to determine who wins the AL West. Oh, no question. And, and we've talked about it. You, When you see the body of work, you would expect Texas to be better than Seattle against Houston, but they're not. For whatever reason, Seattle doesn't seem to be intimidated when they play Houston, where Texas, we talked about it, it's inside their heads now. I equate Houston, Texas, the way I talk about the Padres and the Dodgers. Yeah, It's, you know, on paper, they're supposed to be close. But 
it, it's not. Right. San Diego gets you know the snot beat out of them all the time by the Dodgers, and it gets in their head, and that's where you're at with the Rangers. All right, we'll talk a little more Major League Baseball here. Stretch run, uh, less than 20 games left in the uh, regular season. Astros have an uh, uh, off day uh, today. Then they take on those Padres uh, back in Houston. But uh, the Astros are feeling good. You know, I did not bet on the Astros. And, you know, I, I bet the future ticket on them last year and uh, was very happy with that. Last two years, actually, bet. And, you know, Hedged off a little bit on both. Good thing I did hedge off the year before when they lost to Atlanta. Uh, I was kind of kicking myself that I did hedge off, you know, when they, uh, you know, beat Philly last year. But I did not bet the Astros on a future ticket this year because I'm. You hear me say it all the time. Doesn't matter what sport, it's hard to repeat, and I don't believe in in the back to back. And I felt that, you know, even you know with Verlander gone, uh, and then the injuries that they had at the beginning of the season, and there was no value. I mean, you know, you you saw, you know, anywhere from four to to six to ones on on the Houston Astros. And I said, ah, you know, where, you know, I got it at 12 to one, 14 to one last couple of years. So now I'm at that point, Verlander's back. Now they're healthy. Now, granted, I'm not going to get much value, but do I put a future ticket in now? That's what I was just going to ask you. We have to look up at the board at commercial break and see exactly where they're they're at. to put the future bet for to win the World Series, or at least you could also put just to you know win the AL, because I definitely right now against any of the other teams in there, I make Houston the favorite. The only one that they probably wouldn't be a favorite against would be Baltimore, but I would be attracted to taking you know Houston because of the experience factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I want to. I want to look that up, you know, real quick here, just to kind of see where where that is at right now. But I'm I'm guessing it's got to be in the neighborhood of maybe three or four to one. That that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. If at this point of the season you can still get the same price that they were at the beginning of the season, uh, you know, when you had to dodge all those bullets and injuries. Now it would be a good, you know, would be a bet worthwhile. Um, you know, you're not going to get rich on it, but they're the hot team at the right time, and that's what you want to, you know, look for. How many times have you seen teams that, you know, had that big lead, you know, and then they kind of mail it in the last couple of weeks, trying to stay healthy, not get, you know, get their pitching rotation set up so they're able to start the series the way they want, you know. I'd rather have a team that's fought their way to the end of the season because that momentum, when you go into that first series, you've already been playing playoff games. Mm. You know, if you've got to win games down the final week to either win the division or secure the wild card spot. All right. Tonight is NFL opening night. Uh, That is one of the main reasons we are here to kick off uh, the 2023 season. And T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo here at the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. Also, you have till Saturday at 3 p.m. to sign up for the Super Contest. $1,000 entry fee. You pick five games against the NFL spread uh, each and every week. Not only can you be the grand prize winner and take home a whole bunch of money, but the Super Contest now has 11 other ways for you to win money with uh, in-season wagering, which Marco took advantage of last year and cashed in. And so a total of 12 ways to win. Get down here and get signed up. It is so easy to sign up. It'll take you five minutes. And uh, $1,000, five games against uh, the spread each and every week. And uh, it's a... 
the longest standing football handicapping contest here in Las Vegas and uh, proud to represent the Westgate and the Superbook here and uh, Marco and I in the contest uh, again this year so we'll be talking to you about that uh, of course as uh, the weeks progress here but a very exciting time and of course tonight uh, it is the NFL season kickoff, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. We'll be talking about that game, not only coming up next, but next hour as well, too. So make sure that you hang tight. Like I said, Scott Spritzer will join us. But we come back, Jay Cornegay, the vice president of the Superbook and the Westgate Las Vegas here. He will join us. We'll talk about where the money's moving and shaking right here. It is a thunderous Thursday, and it is opening night of the NFL here at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the Superbook. T.C. Martin. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. The doctor is now in. Bruce Kim. Back here inside the Superbook here at the Westgate Las Vegas. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house. Get ready for a little NFL action tonight. We're kicking it all off as the champs, the Chiefs, hosting the Lions tonight. All right. Looking forward to that. It all starts here tonight, NFL. Kick it off approximately 5.30 p.m. Get down here to the Westgate. No better place to watch the games inside the comfort of the world-famous Superbook. Of course, non-smoking and uh, luxurious seating here at the Superbook. Yeah, TC, uh, a little bit of uh, line movement on that game tonight. When we talk to Jay, we'll uh, ask them, obviously, with... uh, Travis Kelsey uh, being uh, questionable, but the way the line dropped yesterday, I think everybody pretty much uh, figures he's not playing. Uh, we saw that line move across town from six, six and a half down to four and a half, and there was even a couple fours for a while. But you still got Patrick Mahomes on on the field, and he's going to have something to say about uh, the outcome tonight. I think a lot of that, too, is... The fact that uh, Chris Jones is not playing, that, that's why you have some line movement as well. Obviously, you know, when you have one of the best defensive players who isn't going to be available and he's still you know, holding out to, due to a contract situation, uh, that has a, a big thing to do with it. And, and Travis Kelsey, obviously. You're talking about, you know, aside from Patrick Mahomes, maybe your best player on offense and your best player on defense not suiting up tonight. But I don't know. I want to get into this, Marco, because... We talked a lot yesterday, or actually it was Tuesday, I think it was part of the Terrible Tuesday uh, rant, that I don't understand why we are talking about the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Detroit Lions in the opening night. You have the champs, and they usually play against uh, another conference foe or the Super Bowl rematch if the schedule happens to fall that way, which it rarely does. But ironically enough, it does this year. And instead of taking a game between a rematch with the Chiefs and the Eagles, which actually play each other this year, on November the 20th, they have opted to give us the Detroit Lions who finished the season in 9-8 and eight and have the one of the worst histories in all of professional football as far as success. And they're force-feeding them on to the public to celebrate the kickoff. And when Numbchuck and I went back to 2002 when 
the NFL started this Thursday night football routine, a standalone game to kick off the season. This is the worst matchup, record-wise, that we've had in the 20 years that the NFL has been doing this. Why are we seeing this game when there were so many other options when you look at the, the Chiefs' schedule? Well, the situation being next to the Jets and Denver, who had the most hype coming into this season? The Lions are getting a lot of love uh, by a lot of people, and it's because, yeah, they finished the season last year at 9-8, and eight, but it was a big second half that, that did it. And In they, a garbage division? It, it, yes. Green Bay still had Favre. Still, what? Or not Favre. Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. Yeah. yeah, they still had Aaron Rodgers last year. <laughs> and uh, the situation being the Lions have been so bad for so long that when you got that little ray of hope, and before the air goes out of the balloon, which when you start week one, everybody's the same. It's zero zero on everybody's log. Uh, it looks for an interesting you know matchup. Last year, what we have, we had the uh, Buffalo Bills play the the Rams, and they just not you know blew their doors off. Uh, we had a couple of years ago after Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl, you got Dallas, and they were life and death. Uh, you know, to win that game, Dallas was, you know, knocking on the door. So it's not an automatic that that team that won the Super Bowl was going to win that opening Thursday night game. But again, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's an exciting team, no matter who's there or not there. You know, they've got a new offensive coordinator this year uh, because, you know, Benemy went to uh, Washington. We'll see what happens. I personally did not play anything on the game. Uh, when the line was six, I did lean to Detroit. I thought this was a, three, a field goal type game either way. Uh, but with the injuries to Kansas City, when it was six, Jones was factored into the line. Mm-hmm. When it went to four and a half, that was because of Kelsey, in, yeah. my, in my opinion. Right, right. All right, who you got tonight? Who do I got tonight? Uh, I've got one play. It's in baseball tonight. Um, no, we're talking about this football I game. I just got done saying I don't have a play. You don't have a play? Game. Come on. I did not it's use It's opening game. night. Come on. You, yeah. you, you got to have some action, my friend. Come on. What are you talking about? Well, I know you. when it was six, I know what your play was. You were, te- you were teasing uh, Kansas City to a pick them. But, you know, you don't have to do that now. Uh, and if the line gets any lower, you know, there might be line value taking the money line on them uh, because it's going to be a little bit lower than Kansas City should be. But I just don't see any value in this game. I don't know that Kansas City is going to be able to stop the Lions without Jones on the field. They're going to be able to move the football. This offense is good. The problem with the Lions, and that's why they were a 9-8 and eight team last year, is, yeah, they could put up a 30 on a scoreboard in a heartbeat problem was they could give up a 30 just as easy if the lions defense improves at all they are the worthy favorites to win uh the nfc north and we have seen the chiefs not be a a good favorite cover team we've seen that and so i i I understand that but we're going to take where the line is it will take out the factor that you have no Jones and you have no Kelsey. Why are we seeing the Lions? That's it. I, you're you're making a case that well, 
You know, they're, they're, they're a, a hot topic team, you know, coming into this. Why? Because of hard knocks last year. And that's why the Jets are the so-called, you know, uh, you know, darlings, you know, media-wise because of the hard knocks thing. Hard knocks, you know, a, again, has a lot of cachet, but these are bad teams, okay? Because none of the good teams, you know, want to be on Hard Knocks, all right? And the HBO has to struggle to coax these teams into being on it, okay? I'm still not sold on the Lions. I'm not sold on the Lions. I'm not sold on Jared Goff. And don't sit there and tell me, i got to look at the entire body of workers, his, his career, not just last year, but everything here. All right, so I'm, I'm I'm not sold on the Lions. I'm just saying you have a Super Bowl rematch, and that doesn't always happen. It rarely happens that you have a Super Bowl rematch slated during the regular season. You have it this year. It should be the no-brainer. Talk about the hype. Talk about the ratings. Talk about everything else because there are people that think that Philadelphia is better than Kansas City this year. That should be your game tonight. They're going to play on November 20th. Why are they not playing on September the 7th? I can't give you that answer, and there's people that believe that Philadelphia should have won that Super Bowl last year. Right? I'm one of them. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I don't understand it. You know, the Thursday night, let's be honest. You talk about teams don't want to be on hard knocks. Most teams don't want to play these Thursday games. They don't like the Thursday. Yeah, but the opening season is totally different. The it, first it, week okay, is, yeah. The Thursday routine, once you get into the NFL season, that's garbage. Yeah. Okay, it's garbage time. It's garbage games. It's not primetime matchups, even though the NFL has tried to make it better because they have it, they they realize it's like well, yeah we're not going to put that you know the, the great teams on here but you just can't keep you know playing you know t- the Jacksonvilles of the world or the Titans or the Raiders you can't just have them so you got to spread it out a little bit so yes you know their marquee game is Sunday Night Football NBC all right and then they want the primetime Fox game and the primetime CBS game on Sunday then the third tier is Monday Night Football okay that's where it goes dead dead last is the Thursday night game. In most of the Thursday night but games. But not to, tonight's been, totally different. It's been, garb- been garbage games. Exactly. We may, I mean, how many times did we make jokes when we were here on the Friday after the Thursday night game mm-hmm. talking about trying to make that game exciting that wasn't on Thursday night? Mm-hmm. You know, guarantee in late November, if both teams do what they had expected, that'll be probably... You know, a Sunday night game or a Monday night. Well, game. it's already slated for the Sunday night it's game. It's the Sunday night game. Yeah, and there'll be more drama later in the season because you can build that game up two ways. You can build it up the obvious. Oh, it's a rematch from the Super Bowl last year, or you can build it up. Oh, here's the preview to the Super Bowl this year if they're both doing well at that time. Let me ask you: In your opinion, do you think that Detroit is overvalued right now? Yes. 100% because people love offense, okay? Nobody, you know, you want to have a good defense, but that doesn't move the needle. People want to see points up and down the field. And there were games last year that Detroit, you make the joke, it was like you were playing a video game, okay? They were scoring points that rapidly, but the defense is bad. They have made, they've tried to address that defense, but that's not going to happen overnight. Um and you can't judge off of tonight's game because Kansas City's not going to have all of its weapons. And, you know, Kelsey's a big weapon. There's no question about that. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, they're overrated. And that's why I think from that division, they're overrated. And I think people are selling Green Bay too short because 
of Aaron Rodgers leaving. It, it's all knee-jerk reactions. I do not have the Chiefs on a teaser tonight, but I do have the Chiefs money on, a, on a money line parlay, which the other half is already cashed in at plus 125 last night. There you go. All so right. Well, so now that, that was a now you got, that's you got a plus, you know, plus money move in the first half of it. That yeah. that'll bring a nice price to that parlay. And I'm just rooting for the Chiefs just to do what they're supposed to do and just win the game. Again, they have not been a great cover team as a favorite, and they've been inflated. We, we always talk about the Aces being over, you know, inflated uh, with these WNBA lines, and the the Chiefs have been that way for the past couple seasons, especially last year. And uh, tonight, now we're seeing it, you know. Uh, the line come down a little bit because of the injuries. Because of the injuries. And as you said about not covering, you know, they are the New York Yankees of baseball, you know, as far as, you know, team recognition. They have the face of the NFL. You know, who's more recognizable than than Patrick Mahomes, you know, for the NFL? And people are going to do that. And I've never seen a team, because you know the league average, if you win the game, you cover the spread like 81% of the time. The, the spread generally does not come into play. Either the underdog wins outright or the favorite wins by more than their lane. But Kansas City is the asterisk to that statistic. It's been year after year. They have a great straight-up record, but their one-loss record it doesn't correlate to it because they're laying the inflated lines. Andy Reid, throughout his career for the most part, is one of those coaches that when he gets to the second half of games, takes his foot off the gas, tries to, you know, run out the clock, and you let teams hang around. And you can't do that in today's NFL. you got to keep scoring because teams can score so fast. The offenses, it's an offensive game. You know, all the rule changes that we've had, penalties-wise, favor the offense. They want to see that scoring. Nobody wants to see, you know, 7-3 defensive battles of yesteryear all right uh, let's uh, take a look at some of the nfl uh news of the day our breaking news that comes out of san francisco as the 49ers come to an agreement with nick boza signs a five-year deal 170 million dollar contract extension check this out 122.5 million guaranteed for nick boza we talk about wit uh, Jones means to Kansas City. Well, that's exactly what uh, Nick Boza uh, means to the 49ers. No question about it. Um, did, did not play in the preseason. He got his uh, contract, making him uh, the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Think about that. Yeah. The highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Uh, but, man. This is just a boost for the San Francisco 49ers because we saw them play the Raiders here at Allegiant Stadium. Granted, it, w- it was full of backups, but the Niners just did not look good at all. They were more concerned like, okay, who's going to be the backup to Brock Purdy? They anointed Brock Purdy as the starter. Went right, wrong, and different. Who knows? But it was a battle for the backup and who was going to get cut and who was going to be kept. And Trey Lance was the odd man out because he got cut because he hasn't been good since he donned a San Francisco 49er uniform coming out of North Dakota State three years ago. But uh, Lance out. Dallas Cowboys sign him. And, uh, you know, now you have uh, Sam Darnold as the 49ers backup. And I will say, I said it, you know, 
during that game that I think at some point in time, whether it's injury or performance, Sam Darnold becomes a starting quarterback for the 49ers at some point this year. Oh, big question on Brock Purdy. Uh, how how much has he healed from the injury? Is he going to have any you know residual effects uh, from that? And you know now there's game film on Brock Purdy. You know what he did last year was amazing. Okay, and when you have you know a running back like Christian McCaffrey in that backfield, it's going to make any quarterback's life easier because they can run the football. They've got a good offensive line. They've always had a good running game, whether it was out of the traditional format sets or do things like they did with Debo Samuels that one year. Um, You know, teams couldn't stop them. We'll see what happens. They're going to get a test this week, and I'm not being a homer. The Steelers looked as good as anybody this preseason, but I'm going to be the first person to tell you I don't put stock in in preseason what teams do because some coaches actually play to win those games where the other coach doesn't. And that makes that team that's actually playing to win look that much better. In the Steelers' philosophy, Mike Tomlin, you know, over the years, he's somebody like, you know, Harbaugh that he likes to win. And that's what they did and uh, got them confidence with uh, Kenny Pickett. But when we talk Brock Purdy, I saw too many (laughs) game films from Iowa State that I lost bets laying points, you know, with him and they wouldn't generate points. Yes, he's in a computer. He's in a quarterback-friendly system. Shan- you know, Shanahan's system makes every quarterback, except Trey Lance, look good. Uh, we'll see what happens this year. But I agree with you, Sam Darnold. He's in the right spot. He's back on the West Coast. You know, he played at USC. Back. You know, he's with a coach that understands getting the most out of a quarterback and make it a quarterback-friendly, you know, system. Like the Rams. Look last year. Baker Mayfield had one of the best games of his career. He was with, at a short time, but he was with a a coach that is quarterback friendly. Same way in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence had a great year last year. Got away from, you know, the Urban Meyer fiasco, and you had Peterson who went to a Super Bowl with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles (laughs) and won it with Nick Foles. So there are certain coaches that can get the most out of quarterbacks. He's in the right spot. But opening day on the road on the East Coast at Pittsburgh, a shore field, which I hate that name. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough spot. But if you know me and you look at that line, you know what I did in, in that game with San Francisco and Pittsburgh. What would you do? San Francisco is a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. What I do? Come on, you know what I did. Six point teaser, took it up to eight and a half, got it over the touchdown. I keep forgetting, see, once we get into football season, you're back in my in my neighborhood. You're in my backyard joining me with a teaser. That's the only time you're supposed to tease is in the NFL when you get the correct math. Uh, in what we're talking about when we say the correct map, and a lot of people will know it is they're called the Wong teasers. Not wrong, but the guy that wrote the book on it, uh, his last name was Wong, so they're called Wong teasers, is when you can take a small underdog and push them through all of the key numbers. The key numbers in football is three, four, six, and seven. Those are the numbers that fall the most frequently. So if you can take a line with a six-point teaser, which is the smallest juice, and push it through those numbers, you do it. Whether you're bringing a seven-and-a-half-point favorite down 
to one and a half, or you're taking a one and a half or two two and a half point dog up. Those are where you go. So I also tease them with another home dog that you should be very easy to find if you're looking at it. It's a divisional home yep. dog. It's Cleveland plus two and a half. Tease them up to eight and a half. So that's a teaser that I played this week already played sent to my customers and i actually did a three-team teaser round robin where i hooked because there's another one that's a a natural i took washington from seven down to one where we're asking the commanders i I hate that name to just win and who are they playing arizona that really looks like you know being a, a they're in tank mode. I, I mean, whenever you release the only person on your roster that is familiar with your offense in Colt McCoy, because Kyler Murray's not going to be ready, may not even play all year, and you deal him away and you are starting Joshua Dobbs, and I don't have anything against Dobbs. He played at one heck of a game in that playoff game you know, last year. Should have won. Um but he's only been there three weeks. No, yeah, yeah. He doesn't know the system. How can you go on the road? And Washington is supposed to have a decent, you know, defense. You know, teaser philosophy, I hear you talk a lot about six-point teasers. Do you ever play a seven-point teaser? I try not to because the reason for it, there's certain times that that's the only way I can obtain the number that I want. But you're also laying a dollar forty when you're doing a seven point teaser versus a dollar twenty on a six point teaser. So that long term, it becomes you you know a, a negative EV play. You've got to win a higher percentage of your teasers to overcome that extra twenty cents of juice. See, depending on the situation. Okay, now if I'm in a a two and a half uh, or a three, you know point spread. Okay, I'm taking the seven point teaser. And I know you look at it like, you know, you always look at it from the negative. A lot of handicappers do. is like, well, like, okay, I'm planning on losing here, okay, minus 140. The whole object of a teaser, and don't take, I'm not disputing your logic or whatever, but this is just my philosophy. The whole reason you are playing a teaser, it's got nothing to do with money, okay? It has to do with the value of the points. You want to get as many points as you can. And what you're doing, you're manipulating the line. I'm a firm believer in I'm going to manipulate the line as much as they will allow me to. That's why few places, now hardly anybody, will allow you the 10-point teaser. There is one book who is in town who took off the 10-point teaser because, again... You, you have a chance to get burnt, and you got an opportunity to manipulate the line that much. I mean, it favors the player if you are disciplined. So I, I, I know what you're saying, okay, well, plus 8.5 is pretty good, but there are games that land on 9. I've seen 21-12 games. I've seen 24-15 games, that sort of thing. So for me, I'm going to manipulate that line as much as I possibly can. Now, if I'm dealing with a 7 or an 8-point favorite, Sure, I'll tease that down using a six-point teaser or do what you do. We yeah. have that in common where we'll do like a money line parlay if we like two of those favorites because then you're even getting better value mm-hmm. than that. So I think you have to be be careful of that. But I do know some players um, that consider themselves you know, professional handicappers that won't even touch a seven-point teaser. It, they won't, absolutely. And the question, and you gave the best example. You ask any of the math nerds, okay, uh, eight and a half, at minus 120 or nine and a half at minus 140, they're going to say the number nine is not worth 20 cents. But then again, when I get into that, instead of laying 140 
on a two-team teaser, I'm finding that third team. Okay, I say, hey, I'm a good enough handicapper. I can find a third game mm-hmm. and then turn into plus money. Mm-hmm. And it, for me, it doesn't matter if I'm only getting maybe plus 120 or 130 or 140, depending on the book mm-hmm. on what you get. But if I can, instead of one for to me, that's a 60 or 70 percent swing. Give me that third game. I'll find it and turn it into plus money, and then give me you know seven points in each game. Yeah, I, you know. I mean, is that wrong of me to think that way? The, it's not. The math guys will tell you that it's not a plus EV play doing it, but I can't fault you with it. You know, doing the ten point. You know, when you can find the ten point teaser, yeah, that's good. And there's a lot of times where. On a ten-point teaser, you know I would never tease a four and a half-point underdog on a traditional teaser, but I will, I would do it getting it to fourteen and a half because that's, you know, now you've gone through even more key numbers, uh, giving yourself some insurance. If you, if any, if anybody could find me a ten-point teaser because it's the the loan book that had it has taken it away yeah. this season. If you can find one, please let me know. Yeah, it's. You can ask, you know, sportsbook directors do not like teasers with the sharps. I okay. Know. They, there's not, and they've been raising the uh, juice on it to try to slow the people down. <laughs> it's been happening for decades. Yeah. I mean, remember we used to play seven point teasers? You'd have to lay 120. Yeah. And then it went 125, 130, 140. There are some places that minus 150 yeah. because, yeah. And the other thing that they do, you'll hear me talk about it during the season is the teaser blocker yeah. where they'll get a line that if a team's seven and a half, they'll get it up to nine so that you can't use the six point two. Oh yeah, it's out there. All right, hour one in the books, hour two coming your ways. We continue on TC Martin, Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com. Go to wagertalk.com, subscribe to Marco's plays. Doesn't matter the sport, he is all over it. And of course, a big football week, week one of the National Football League. It starts tonight with the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Detroit Lions. Everybody's going to be tuned into that game tonight at 5.30. And, of course, week one of the NFL. And then week two of college football. We'll talk about those games as well. We are live the Superbook for the NFL kickoff opening night right here at the Westgate, Las Vegas. Entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. It's been a great third down defense the last two weeks. The Steelers and they've got an interception. And a run back all the way home. It's Belaine with the touchdown on the pick six. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting. Downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath. is now in back here hour number two right here on this thunderous thursday edition of the tc martin show normally our friday home here at the westgate las vegas inside the world famous superbook but it is nfl opening night so we are here at our home right here for the nfl and of course all year long at the superbook at the westgate las vegas tc martin marco d'angelo in the house handicapping week one of the NFL and also week two of college football. We'll talk about that. Don't forget, Las Vegas Aces in action tomorrow night in Phoenix. So I'll be, after the show, heading out to Phoenix. 
And uh, you can join me on the call on the radio side uh, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, 6.30 programming note. You can catch the game on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM tomorrow. And then Sunday we'll be back on ESPN Las Vegas for a 12 noon game, which will be the finale here for the Aces regular season. And that game will be at T-Mobile Arena, 12 noon, 11.30 pregame show on ESPN Las Vegas. So get out T-Mobile Arena and pack the place. It's Fan Appreciation Day, 12 noon start, and the Aces are closing the regular season with two games against the Phoenix Mercury. Pretty nice, Marco, that you get to close the season against a 9-29 team who's lost nine in a row. There you go. T-Mobile, obviously, how many games have they ever played there? This This will be the first. This will be the first. Yes. Yep. So the Aces, uh, obviously, Mandalay Bay, the Michelob Ultra Arena, their uh, home. Um, but they've had games at the Thomas and Mack Center for the, that playoff in the very first year in 2018. That uh, was a phenomenal. And um, the uh, T-Mobile Arena uh, was available because they have a major convention coming that they have every year at this time. And uh, But it worked out pretty good because for the Aces and their fans to get a chance to see them play in T-Mobile, uh, a very cool, cool thing to do, especially uh, being Fan Appreciation Day. So uh, I know they've done a lot of publicity with this. Uh, you have very affordable ticket prices. So uh, for those fans that maybe normally sit in the upper deck at Mandalay Bay, which holds 10,300, obviously T-Mobile Arena holds 18,000, um, they're going to be packing the lower bowl on Sunday. So I think it, it'll be a, a cool atmosphere. And uh, and for me, I'm looking forward to calling a game at T-Mobile Arena. I thought about going to that game till I saw it was a 12 start. Opening NFL Sunday. I, I, know. I, I know. I don't know who come up with that thought to run them at noon against the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I think because it's the last day of the regular season, the WNBA will, um, you know, prefers to get all of their action in. And then, you know, you're dealing with television as well, too. Um, you know, it's kind of like the way the NFL closes their season. They don't have a Monday night game, mm-hmm. you know, where they, they want it all done Sunday so they can get their playoff seedings in order because the playoffs turn around and start on the following Wednesday. So they want to get all that stuff done so they can get flights arranged and and all that kind of stuff. So I think that is uh, the reason. But, uh, yep, Aces in action again tomorrow night in Phoenix and then Sunday at home uh, at T-Mobile Arena against the Phoenix Mercury. And I'll throw this out there, too. This could be the last game that you see Diana Taurasi play. All right, Sue Bird retired last year. Taurasi said one more year. Um not sure she wants to go out this way, but then again, the way the Phoenix Mercury situation is, it might not be any better. And the Aces opened the playoffs last year against the Mercury. The second round was against the Seattle Storm. Those are the two worst teams this year because they lost so much talent. You still have Brittany Griner, you have Dinah Tarazi, but you don't know what's going to take place next year. This could be your last time that you see either one of them in a Phoenix Mercury uniform or maybe not even play at all. Yeah, I got to see Sue Bird, you know, last year, you know, when she played. And when you, you know, whether it's women's sports or not, and we know that the WNBA is growing, but, you know, it's got a long way to go to catch up to the other uh, sports. But, 
you appreciate somebody that's given so much to the game in you know all of her teammates in that la- that last game she played and he on both sides you know the you know the opponent you know shows respect you know for players like that and Diana Tarazi you know what more can you say about her and her career that she's had from collegiate to yeah. till now she's I don't know if she has that aspiration to do but she would make a good coach <laughs> You know she she's pretty hard on her teammates, so maybe she may fit that mold. Uh, she could be, and again, she's the goat. She's the greatest of all time. There's no question. Uh, the WNBA's all-time leading scorer, phenomenal. But how ironic would that be? Let's just say, for the sake of conversation, the Sunday's game is the last game of her career. That her and Sue Bird's last games of their career were against the Aces, mm-hmm. uh, losses against the Aces. Because that's what it was last year in the playoff game up in Seattle in Game yeah. Three last year. Yeah, and it was pretty emotional. But I think you know, Super knew that you know it was going to be in the the line for her. And the you know writing was kind of on the wall. They probably lose to the Aces, and they did. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with Diana Taurasi. And then Brittany Griner. Uh, you know, it's been the unusual season for her. I mean, she came back. She's played very, very well, but she's on a very, very bad basketball team that has nothing around her and Tarasi. Right. And they've both been injured a little bit. So, yeah, that's uh, your Aces update for that. Okay, Marco, let's uh, get into some uh, the NFL and some college football during this segment. You had mentioned uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, they are at home. Kenny Pickett, a year under his belt now. Brock Purdy, a year under his belt. The Niners are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. We're seeing a lot of shallow, or I say small, road favorites. All right, you've got Cincinnati, a two-and-a-half-point choice against Cleveland. The Niners, same thing over Pittsburgh. Philadelphia, uh, a four-point choice over New England. Dallas, three-and-a-half over the Giants. Buffalo on Monday night, two-and-a-half over the Jets. I personally love these type of games because the better team is is there, but they're on the road. How much are you factoring in trap game in any of these games here, or do you see value for either side, home or away here? I can tell you a tidbit, and you, we've had him on the show before, and he, you know, I call him Stat Daddy. Uh, he's put out the stats on Week One. Division dogs in Week One have been money. Uh, I think it, they're on a 64 and 44 run against the spread. And the big ones that you mentioned, you know, Cleveland, home underdog to Cincinnati. The Sunday night game, you've got Dallas with the Giants, a home underdog. And then, of course, the Monday night game. And you talk about you made fun of the Kansas City-Detroit matchup for what they did for Thursday night. But they definitely got it right for the Monday night football game. That's that's the the best game you could have on the card. If you were going to circle one game that you wanted to watch this week, it's that Monday night game because of all of the hype with the Jets. And as bad as the Jets, you know, offense was last year, we know they have a great defense. They held Buffalo in the two meetings last year to 17 and 20 points. They were three and four point losses for the Jets. Conventional wisdom with Aaron Rodgers behind center is the Jets instantly are a contender and that first game's going to go a long way. 
I will have a teaser on the Jets on Monday. I'll have a lot of things tying to Monday, and I like to do that, TC, because when you have that low spread like we talked about, if I have a couple open teasers that close with the Jets on Monday, I can find myself in a position where I can hedge some of that and take Buffalo on a money line, and if that game falls anywhere from one to eight and a half, I can cash both, you know, both of those wagers. But I really do want the Jets to win on Monday night because it would set up a super play the following week when the Jets go on the yeah. road to Dallas. I'll be all over Dallas. I'll be all over Buffalo Monday. I'm telling you, this is one of those games again where. There's great value here with the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills are a Super Bowl team. You can make the argument that they are the best team in the NFL or definitely the AFC, maybe better than Kansas City. We've seen those matchups, and Buffalo's kind of fallen on the wrong side, even though they have outplayed Kansas City for maybe a majority of those those games, especially in you know the playoffs and the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago. But uh, I'm not I'm not buying the Jets. Uh, this this team still has holes on offense. Uh, it's just a matter of time before Aaron Rodgers. And you've seen a little bit of that, you know, in Hard Knocks. If you're watching that, uh, it's just a matter of time before he will start blowing up at his teammates. And I think some people they they drink too much of the Hard Knocks juice. And you look at the superstars, quote unquote superstars on on this team. And Sauce Gardner gets a lot of love. He's not an he, he's a young guy with talent. Okay. And uh, the same thing can be said for Garrett as a wide receiver. He's got tremendous upside. Rodgers on the downside of his career, but it's the offensive line. That offensive line is not good. This is a team that did not score a touchdown in the final three games. Did not score a touchdown. Now, granted, I know it wasn't Aaron Rodgers, but it's the same offensive line. So for me, Buffalo's had this one on the calendar. Everyone, you're right, is talking about the New York Jets. I'm taking Buffalo in this game, and we talked Sunday night versus Monday night football. This should be the Sunday night football game because that is the marquee game. It should be the Sunday night game. But what does the NFL give you? Oh, they still think the Dallas Cowboys, despite their lack of success with playoff runs, they put them in the Sunday night game against the Giants. What's a better game, Buffalo and the Jets or Dallas and the Giants? Well... Dallas has a larger fan base. I don't care about that. Which is a better game? They care about TV ratings, okay? And there's there's more. That's why Dallas is on the Sunday night game. Do I argue that the Buffalo Jet game is the better game of the weekend? No, I agree with you 100%. The better game is supposed to be on Sunday night. The Monday night football used to be the king. Used to be. I know, yeah. You know, we all lived from Because all of your peers are watching you on Monday night football. You know, you you played in the afternoon. You're you know, you're sitting in the hot tub, whatever, after the game, icing up or whatever, going and have dinner. Yeah, they watch the Sunday night game, but not like the Monday night game around the league. We'll see what happens. Hey, I could argue that you know, based on all of the, would you've had a problem with Pittsburgh San Francisco being one of the primetime games because of the the hype you got. Two of the, you know, Mr. Irrelevant and a number one, you know, a number one draft pick for the Steelers going at one another with. Yeah, see, star, star power is the quarterback position, and so that doesn't. San Francisco Pittsburgh does not match up. That's that sounds like a ten o'clock in the morning game on a Sunday, uh, regional wise. I know what you're saying, you know, but Pittsburgh still is is 
not looked at as being a Super Bowl contender. It's Kenny Pickett. It's Brock Purdy. So you don't have the star value there. I mean, you got two great defenses. Granted, but like you said, no one, no one's talking about defenses in the marketing department of the National Football League or any of these networks. But again, it's Dak Prescott. Even though I don't think much of Dak Prescott, but it's he's the Dallas quarterback. Uh, and you know, Daniel Jones. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but come on, Josh Allen against Aaron Rodgers, arguably the two best quarterbacks in football. Now, of course, Patrick Mahomes is, you know, yeah, and, and the, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Two of the top three or four? No question about it? And you relegate that to Monday Night Football? I mean, good for ESPN, you know, that they get that game. But uh, NBC's getting, you know, Dallas and the Giants. And what's that going to be, Marco? I mean, 17-14 type of a game? That's the way it <laughs> should play out, uh, you know, in NFC East, uh, you know, East? old school. Yeah, well, not... Just because of the Eagles now, we're going to. They, well, Dallas is always going to be in people's minds a contender. Okay, mm-hmm. it's just you know they wear the star, and that's why it's one of the richest franchises in the NFL. Uh, they do bring the ratings, but you know the Giants had a, a, a great season last year, first year, uh, you know, with the head coach. Now, do you subscribe? We talk about it with players, you know, where. A quarterback, it was his first year in the league, and people didn't know what to expect from him. And now they're going to have, you know, game film and they'll, they'll prep for him differently. Can you say the same thing in year two with a, a head coach that had success in year one? Well, we didn't know what he was going to run. It was his first head coaching job. You know, we weren't, you know, now we've seen his tendencies. We've got a full season. Our team's going to be better prepared playing those second year coaches. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Again, you know, the more. Tape, they're not even tape, and we can't say film. That's out, you know. It's all everything's digital, so whatever the term we want to use is. <laughs> but you know, uh, is there more game stuff out there now? Absolutely, and you can you can look at that. So um, again, those coaches are only going to be as good as the talent they have, the healthy talent that they have underneath them. You know, and again, you know, we've seen uh, the Chargers situation, the Dolphins situation, where you have laughing stocks of head coaches even though there's some talent on those teams and again coaching does play a lot into it the chargers are the flavor you know of the year a lot of people because you got justin herbert and you got austin eckler and no one was more injured than the chargers last year that's the whole reason nobody but you still have a bozo coach over there all right and you got a bozo coach you know over uh in uh in miami as well too and you can even make, we still don't know what the Giants' situation is as far as that. We don't we don't know how, how good that coach is. Go, go to Miami for a second, and I think that's going to be one of the more entertaining games of the weekend. Miami at the Chargers. I know the Miami head coach. You know he looks like a little math nerd that you know should be in a you know <laughs> some you know some chess group in school or something. But do you not like him? for the way the play calling, the way they ran things, or do you not like him because of the way they handled Tua in the concussions last year? I think it's all the above. It's lack of experience. And for me, you cannot be a successful NFL head coach with the lack of experience. Uh, heck, this guy, you know, in his 30s, he doesn't even have a life experience, you know? So, yeah, the, the handling the concussion thing, 
that's not only him, but I think that's that falls on the organization as well too. But it's it's a team that's underachieved. I mean, you know, really good wide receivers, pretty good offense, uh, defense not bad at all. I think it, they're just an underachieving you know uh, type of team. Um, so I I look at that, but what, play calling is huge. I mean, play calling is huge. So yeah, he he misses the mark there uh, as the Chargers coach has, and then you know we're not going to be talking about. You know, Arizona very much this year, but what a mess that is from top to bottom. You know, that starting it, it from from the ownership all the way to the general manager to the um, to the head coach all the way down to Kyler Murray, who who knows when we're going to see him. So, and if they're tanking, we may never see Kyler Murray again, right? Because right. if you're tanking to get a quarterback, <laughs> Jay Cornegay is in the house. Our guy here. At the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world famous Superbook. Jay, what's going on, brother? Hey, guys. How are you? I know. I know you're running around here going crazy. Uh, just so you know, um, you already got Marco and I's money uh, for the Super Contest. So we, we, we got signed up. We didn't wait till the last minute. So there you go. So you guys are going to be like gentlemen right now, not acknowledging <laughs> that I was tardy? No. Because, see, <laughs> this is what you don't understand, Jay. The uh-huh. Radio is the theater of the mind. No one knew that until you just said it. And no one needed to know that. I'm not very good at that. No one needed to know, Jay, that you're tardy, that you can't make your deadlines. I'm not going to throw you under the bus. You're my guy. I don't feel tardy. (laughs) Are you drinking a beer? Okay. We just did a show over there. I I was late for that one, too, by the way. I was supposed to be there at 2, and I got there at 3. I just gave me. So we got a new office, guys. We have our wrist team. All right, of about 20 guys that, you know, make, manage all the risk in all these other states, eight states, right? And we're moving over to an office by the airport. So I had to go check it out, got caught up over there, and then I was on my way over here, and then they called me and said, where are you? And it's like, we're, I'm an hour late. I go, how about three o'clock? And then I didn't even check my text messages <laughs> until I was on the show. And I'm like, oh, oh. I was supposed to be over the TC. You know what I was thinking? I was telling Marco, I said, I bet he thinks he, it's tomorrow. See, I was thinking you were thinking, uh, about it. he knows we we're going to be here today. kind of feels like Friday, though. It does. Maybe it's this beer. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I notice is, where's ours? Where's our cocktails? There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I'll get you one right after this. That's the least I can do. Yeah. Well, risk management, i uh, got to ask you, uh, during the, the week whenever you're going over games, how much of a discussion was there on what do we do with Colorado this week? Um, there, there was some discussion about that, and we had a disagreement in the back room. So I guess we could, we'll call it a discussion. And who wins those disagreements, by the way? Um, well, normally me, yeah. yeah that's so, I figured. Yeah. So. <laughs> No, but I, I you guys I, can I, have all the opinion you want. <laughs> Say what you want. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm making that decision. All right. Yep. Give me another beer. We're not going. Yeah. Anyway, it was good. Um, but it was. It was like, okay, we know that there was going to be some sharp play on Nebraska. We, you know, that was the feeling. We knew that the sharps were going to be there. And then there was the other sentiment in the room was everybody's going to bet Colorado. This thing is going to move to four, four, four and a half. All right, this thing is down to what two and a half now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the sharps, or the prediction that the sharps were going to be on it, was correct, but uh, the room was split. It really was. We it, we just had the volume of bets that we have on Colorado. I mean, far outweigh what we see on uh, Nebraska at this point. And the ticket count is probably like fifteen to one. 
in favor of Colorado, but bet size, bet or the cash side of things, certainly Nebraska is it's just, it's about even really. But we know that type of money that's on one side versus the type of money that's on the other. The sexy way that we like to call that is the pros versus the yeah. Joes. And I'll, I'll tell you, I do a show on Monday, and I that was one of the plays I gave out on Monday. I gave out Nebraska. The, it's a live show, and in the comment box, they were going nuts. Everybody telling me that I should be fitted for a straight jacket. I'm crazy. I've never seen so many people immediately disagree with a play because they're drinking the cool they they oh. saw what they saw last week and that's gospel and right. that's the biggest mistake people can make we we're talk about it this week with the college and next week we'll be doing the same thing with the nfl don't overreact yes. to one game and that's what the public does yeah they and they're absolutely doing that but the reality is they could be right because it's Nebraska, be right. and Nebraska's I mean, been horrible. I mean, yeah. they And they were horrible last week. There were some signs, okay, but it's Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, their offense is just pathetic. <laughs> four, t- okay? four turnovers. I mean, their defense is very solid, okay, but my point was, yeah, Colorado could still win it, but what you said and what they're they're drinking the Kool-Aid from the week before, which happens a lot in the amateur world, right? Mm-hmm. There's two, doesn't matter if it's college or pro. One of the weaknesses for amateur handicappers, betters, they just put too much emphasis on what happened the week before. They forget about all the other games, and you know it's like someone gets killed. You know, oh Notre Dame's for real. I go, eh, yeah. eh. We, we've seen enough of Notre Dame. We know they're they're a solid team, yeah. but uh, don't don't overreact to what you saw last weekend. Yeah. That's uh, my theory. I call it the Janet Jackson theory. What have you done for me lately? See where I go with that? Yeah. I saw. Yeah, yeah. You, can, you can use that one if you want. Oh, okay. Actually, no. you heard and yeah. see. Yeah. What have you done for me lately? <laughs> anyway, let's talk about tonight. How overvalued do you think that uh, the Lions are? Because obviously they're, they're getting a lot of love. We've seen the line move, obviously, because you have no Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey tonight. But they are the champs. And how did how did Detroit get on this game at nine and eight? I mean, Jay, we we have actually a Super Bowl matchup between these two teams that that are on the schedule this year, November the twentieth. Why are we not seeing that tonight instead of Kansas City against nine and eight Detroit? Yeah, well, this bothers me. <laughs> Detroit hasn't been nine and eight in like thirty years. <laughs> so the NFL thought this might be the best time for. A little diversity, maybe. <laughs> Just Can you imagine if Philly and Kansas City was tonight's game? Which, and again, they're going to play this year. That rarely happens that you have a natural matchup on the schedule for the next season of the Super Bowl teams. And then, you know, again, it's Detroit. So I don't know. What are you seeing? I know it's the first game of the season. Everyone wants action. But how much action are you really seeing with this matchup tonight? Oh, a lot. A lot. Yeah. When um, Kelsey... When the Kelsey news came in, it, it did slow it down quite a bit. You could tell where everybody's like, okay, wait, now they don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, Oddsmakers made an adjustment right away. And we know this game opened at 7, stayed at 6.5 for a long period of time. Kelsey news breaks out. It goes down to, you know, 4.5. Now now it looks like he's I, – I think I, – personally, I don't think he's going to play. Um, if he does, I can't even imagine him being close to 100%. And it's just one game. So – um, the action has just been, you know, after that, after that shock of Kelsey being hurt, 
it just the floodgates just opened up. I mean, the action just kept on coming in on both sides, really. There's a lot of support for the lines. In fact, I know if the game were to kick off right now, I mean, we would definitely need the Chiefs. There's Yeah, there's no doubt. So I don't know how they got in the game. I don't know why the NFL. I think the, the Lions were the NFL darlings for, you know, the summer. And, and they got a lot of, you know, characters on the game or, or the, uh, the team. I think they have also... Uh, got a lot of exciting playmakers on the offensive side. I, I think they looked at this matchup as an entertaining, you know, first game. But it's not your typical game where you have two right. Super Bowl contenders, you know, for the most part, you know, starting us off. But uh, that's different. I, I don't really mind it, I, you know, seeing the Lions. In fact, that would be my dream Super Bowl. Lions and Browns. <laughs> I think those two fan bases deserve it. They've been very loyal. We all know about the you know, yeah. Browns fans. But, you know, Lions fans, too. They've been very loyal over the years. I'm going to tell you right now, if that matchup happens, <laughs> I'm going to bet one of the props that's there every year and never hits, will there be an overtime? Because those two teams <laughs> might battle the whole game and nobody <laughs> comes out ahead after 10, four 10. Yeah, <laughs> going to overtime. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of totals, i got to imagine you're going to be a big fan of the under. Oh, tonight. yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, I know where you're going. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's what it is. You know, we were just showing our execs, um, you know, this game. And I go, this game's easy. It's the Sunday night game and the Monday night game that will be really challenging for us because every parlay, you guys know that you guys have been around, but you know, every part of it is still alive over the course of the weekend. It doesn't matter what sport, you know, might include one of the teams that's playing Saturday or Sunday night and or Monday night. Uh, those are damage control games. So we always get concerned if we see an overflow of favorites. Yep. Because you know the liability is going to really pile up on Sunday and Monday night. There you go. Uh, two short favorites on those two. Dallas, three and a half uh, over the Giants, and Buffalo, two and a half over the Jets. And I'm sure a lot of people will have you know, some parlays going and even money line parlays, mm. especially probably with Buffalo as well, too. Oh, I, yeah. I Buffalo. Think, yeah. Buffalo's yeah. right now seeing a lot of public money. Yeah. You know, I know Jets get some support now, but uh, it's, it's all Buffalo. Yeah. And I would expect that to continue throughout Sunday afternoon. Give us some other games on the NFL side that uh, you're seeing some line movement. Uh, Broncos, uh, Raiders. You know, okay. there's been some sharp play that has uh, been accepted on you know the local team, uh, mainly because the Broncos are a little banged up. Uh, but I didn't think it was going to go down to three. I I thought it would stay at three and a half, but we're sitting at three now. But this line opened at three and a half, got up to four. And as soon as we got to four, you just started seeing, you know, Vegas money. And it came in, it really started to heat up probably the last 10 days or so. Um, just a lot of support for the Raiders in that game. And I'll tell you, it's kind of a sharp play. I mean, it's bigger plays. It's not like the, the ticket count is in favor of the Raiders right now, but it's um, the money, the type of money that we're seeing, you know, it's it comes in bigger amounts, let's say, mm -hmm. and that has definitely been on the uh, Raider side. You know, from a 
offensive standpoint, star power standpoint, the Raiders have that nod right there. And again, there's this the unknown factor with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. But again, I think with as banged up as they are at the wide receiver position, I mean, I think you do have to lean a little bit towards the the Raiders. But you know, again, it's Sean Payton. I think everyone's banking on a new and improved Russell Wilson, but we really don't know, especially if he doesn't have the weapons. No, Jared, uh, Jerry, Judy, and, and and others. I think they got like three healthy wide receivers. Yeah. for this week. And uh, not a lot of experience. Sutton's yeah. experience, okay. Yeah. But Mims, who looks really, I mean, talented, but yeah. you can tell he's really raw. But I heard Judy actually practiced today. Okay. Yeah. That was uh, surprising because you know how touchy those hammies can be. Right. And mm-hmm. they, I, I, if I were them, I wouldn't probably play them. Mm-hmm. I would just hold them out, just like Kelsey. It looks like Kelsey's not going to play. He's doubtful now. Yeah. 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 Uh, anything else on on the docket that you're you're seeing some one way action? Um, I can tell you, we'll probably be a fan um, of the. Well, we know the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I gotta go buy a Cardinals jersey. <laughs> How many teasers uh, do you have coming in uh, with Washington? Yeah, it's to just, just win yeah, the game. I mean. You know, the Ravens, I mean, biggest favorite on the board. And, you know, that's what everybody's on as far as their survivor pools. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's piling up on Baltimore or Washington. Washington Washington's is- another another team that's popular in the survivor pools. But that translates into a very popular teaser team. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, just like almost every Sunday, we need that one big upset or a couple of underdogs that – you know, surprise most people, and the books will be just fine. But it's a little scary when you sit there and, you know, go into a Sunday, and it's so lopsided, especially with the favorites. Like, we just need one underdog. One underdog to win outright. Most likely it won't be, you know, won't be the Texans and won't be the Cardinals. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let me ask you, Saturday. Big game early on Alabama and Texas. We see Alabama at home favored by seven. What kind of action are you seeing on this game? Uh, you, as you can imagine, it, I, we, we've been talking about the NFL lately, and, and most of the focus has been on that. I expect that game. It hasn't really heated up yet. Um, you know, I guess the early indicators are definitely showing you know, they're betting Alabama. And being that, a later, yeah. what, a 4.30 or 5 o'clock game, yeah. that'll well, yeah. heat up too. Yeah, that will heat up. Uh, I, I think that will heat up tomorrow, you know, once we get into, people are starting talking about, you know, college football. And we went, going into the season, all this, all these previews have been about the NFL and for the right. most part, you know, and college has already kind of started a little bit. So, uh, but that's one of the bigger games of the year. One of the more, I, I think, one of the more intriguing matchups of the year. And it's happening this Saturday. And I love the time slot. You know, I hate it when the best college football game is either at 9 o'clock or 1230. That at 4 to 5 p.m. PST yep. time yep. is perfect. So that is going to generate a lot of attention from the betters. I think a lot of that, most of it will come in on Saturday. Uh, but the early uh, numbers are, are favoring uh, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Whenever you were talking back to the NFL and worried about, you know, you need some dogs to help you out, I always give you bad news. I'll give you good news. Week one of the NFL, divisional dogs, 64 and 44. Wow. On a run. 
Yeah. So in our, there's, there's, a yeah. lot, there's a lot of division matchups yep, in week one this week. Uh, so I that always, should help you. You know, I, not just week one, but you know, when you're handicapping games and during the course of the season, that's always a factor in, in my eyes. Uh, is a divisional game and a divisional home dog. Mm-hmm. That's that's a, a real strong figure. And so that doesn't really surprise me, but I, I'm surprised. Well, I was a little surprised that it's... Uh, I mean, a high percentage like yeah, that. Yeah. Did you say week one or is that week one? Week yeah. one. Wow. And how okay. strange is this? You're talking about we've got several of those matchups, Raiders and the Broncos. They meet in week one and they meet in week 17 or week 18. I mean, it's it's weird. You know, you, that is you'd, like weird. To, you'd like to see that and maybe okay, you know, week week five and week 12 or something like that, right? Right. But but that's it. One and 18. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Go figure that one. All right, Super Contest. Yes. Um, deadline is tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And, of course, Super Contest Gold, the $5,000 winner-take-all entry. Real quick, talk about where the signups are at and uh, what's the prize money looking like. So you're still thinking it's Friday. Yeah. Oh, there I go again. See? See? Yes. See? Today's Thursday. Yeah. Deadline is Saturday at 3 p.m. Hold. Hold. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it is 3 p.m. I'm getting on a plane Saturday. about now, yeah. so. <laughs> uh, matchup's been great. You know, uh, not matchup, but uh, I should say the numbers. But yeah. you talk about the contest, Super Contest, Super Contest Gold. Uh, we're well ahead of last year's pace. And the reboot is also ahead of last year's pace. So, um, Explain so the reboot real quick. The reboot is for the second half of the season. Right. So it's um, something that we offer right now because most people are signing up for their contest. It, you don't have to be in the original Super Contest to enter the Super Contest reboot, but the reboot is a second half uh, contest. So weeks, what is that, weeks 10? Yeah. Through 18. Yeah, yeah, 10 through 18. 18. And I think that starts right at the beginning of November. Uh, but a lot of people like to enter that just in case... Their season isn't going as planned. You get a brand new contest that uh, you know attracts quite a bit of money. So um, it's something that we've done over the last uh, few years, uh, very popular. And uh, now that we have the super contest broken down to all these in-season contests, the super contest now offers 12 ways to win. And we have 11 in-season and one, of course, uh, prize for the full season. So that's very popular over the last couple of years, and uh, that's something that I can see that we'll continue to do in years uh, to come. Number of contestants for each of the contests, uh, what do you think you're going to end up at? An increase, decrease from last year? Uh, Super contest probably will be a little lower than last year. We're probably looking at about 1,400. So that means there's 1.4 million in the pot there. You've got a better chance, Marco. And then you have... uh, got less competition. Super contest gold, I think we're going to surpass last year's number. We should get close to 100 there. And then reboot, that's well ahead of last year's pace too. So... A lot of money flying around, but it's a lot of fun because yeah. you pay one entry fee and you get into all those 12 uh, Super Contest uh, chances. Get down here to the Westgate inside the Superbook. You have till 3 o'clock Saturday to sign up for those contests. Jay, we'll let you get back to your beer. We appreciate the uh, time, tardy or not. <laughs> you know. well, thanks. <laughs> Your time is up here. <laughs> Recess is over. No, there it is. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, thanks, guys. All right. And uh, when we come back, Scott Spritzer joins us, and we'll handicap college and the NFL side in tonight's game coming up next. 
The T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. It was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The Doctor is now in. Inside the world-famous Superbook here at the Westgate Las Vegas. Getting ready for tonight's NFL opening night. The Lions and the... Kansas City Chiefs, we talk about that game, the key college games and the NFL games with our next guests. We have both handicappers extraordinaire with us here. Marco D'Angelo here in the house, and my main man Scott Spritzer joins us now. Scott, what's going on, brother? What's it, man? Just uh, biding time until kickoff. Can't wait to see it. That's it. All right. How do you handicap this one, Scott? Because we know that we've seen a lot of money coming in on the, on the Lions. And, again, I've been moaning and groaning, like, why are we having this game? Why is it the Detroit Lions, a 9-8 and team from last year, facing the champs when you could have a Super Bowl rematch? These, uh, the Chiefs play the Eagles on November the 20th. I mean, that would have been something to really talk about. But... Seems like these Lions, man, just uh, are, are getting a heck of a lot of love. Are Do you think that they're overvalued at this point right now? This game, as far as what you said, I've always thought that it would be great to open up the season with the Thursday night rematch of the previous Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I've always been, you know, hoping for that. And uh, But obviously we got what we got, which is Detroit and Kansas City and the Lions, of course, are a big public team uh, this season. And, and there's good reason why. As far as this game tonight... TC, uh, I mean, all these questions, you know, now Kelsey is out, which uh, was, you know, released about 45 minutes ago or so that he's not going to play in this game. Uh, the line has only dropped to four from four and a half in a couple of spots uh, since that happened. The total started dropping once it was confirmed that Kelsey wasn't going to play. Uh, I would love to jump in on KC here and lay the four and a half. The thing that scares me the most about KC is not just the fact that Kelsey's not going to play, but they're missing Chris Jones, their best defender, their big man up front, who harasses opposing quarterbacks in ground games like crazy. They're not, he's not going to play tonight. That combined with Kelsey makes it kind of tough. I'll tell you what I do like tonight, guys. I like Amon Ross St. Brown to go over six receptions, and I laid about a buck thirty. The you know obviously star of the Detroit offense. And I also played him about a month, more than a month ago, like in mid-July, I played him on Ross St. Brown to go over 1,000 and a half receiving yards. And I could really go into details here, but I don't want to tie up everything on one receiver. But I think he goes over that total of six. The Lions are going to be missing, you know, one of their top receivers who's serving a six-game suspension to start the season. So Amon Ross St. Brown even becomes more of a target than he has been uh, since he came into the league. And, and by the way, that suspended receiver is Jamison Williams. So he'll be featured quite a bit. Casey, I still think, is going to throw the ball often. They threw the second most passes on the league last year on average. So I think Detroit's going to have plenty of opportunities on offense. And you know, I'm staying away from the side. I'm staying away from the total. I like that prop on Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, Scott, uh, Marco here. A lot of people buying into the Lions. And until we see the defense make an improvement, you know, I can't do it. it this is an organization that has been a perennial loser. They find ways to lose. Uh, you know, you still got Patrick Mahomes on the field. Uh, I didn't play the game personally. If I was forced to play the game, I probably would have found a way to maybe take Kansas City on a money line, you know, maybe find something else to hook them up with if I wanted to just watch this game. But I'm curious to see if they made any improvements on the defense because if they do, then the, the Lions can win uh, their division. 
Yeah, the offense is great. The passing DVOA last year on offense went from 28th in 2021 to 5th in the league in 2022. And so when they get Jamison Williams back, and, you know, hopefully for Detroit backers, it's not, you know, a situation where they're 2-4 and four and lose a couple of games they shouldn't along the way. But I agree with you, man. If I would have played this game, I would have found a way to back KC. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to get a lot of opportunities in all likelihood that Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be targeted. So I thought playing that over and that prop was the way to go. What else do you like, Scott, on the uh, Sunday ticket? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, probably an unpop. well, I'm going to say a little unpopular with the public, not so unpopular with guys like Marco and guys, and I'm not saying that Marco's on this game, and if he's not, I get it, but, but sharp guys is what I'm saying, and, and that would be the New England Patriots getting four from the Philadelphia Eagles. You just talked about wanting to see the Eagles and Chiefs, which would have been great, but, you know, last year doing the Beeson show, the Eagles were my preseason pick to win the NFC title. They got there. I'm not down on Philly this season, but I am in this game. And, you know, Super Bowl losers have been horrible to the bankroll as rolled chalk in a line range that includes this number that we're looking at in this game this week. Uh, New England has had a major upgrade with Bill O'Brien calling the shots on offense over what was a defensive coach calling offensive shots in Matt Patricia. And all the reports and indications out of camp are that the Patriots' offense has bought into everything O'Brien wants to have done on the football field during the regular season and has looked night and day better than it did before he arrived. So I think New England catches Philly here. I like the plus four in this game. And, uh, again, you got Belichick with an entire offseason to prep for the Eagles. Scott, speaking of road chalk, uh, talk a little bit about these games I'm going to run off to. They're all uh, favorites that are perennial Super Bowl contenders. You've got the Bengals. Uh, a short favorite at Cleveland. The Niners a short favorite at Pittsburgh. Dallas three and a half over the Giants, and then Buffalo Monday night two and a half over the Jets. Can you make a case for any of those teams? Yeah, I mean the thing is, is like first of all, you mentioned a couple of the divisional home dogs there in Week One, and I might not automatically play on those teams, but I'm not playing against them, so they're at the very least, you know, wiped off my slate as far as playing that road chalk if they're on the road and they're laying points within the division. I do like Cleveland in that game over Cincinnati. Uh, you know, I, I think on Monday night you're going to see a situation where uh, the Jets upset the Buffalo Bills, and it's kind of hard for me looking at that schedule, the teams that you just mentioned, for me to say, you know what, I'm laying the points here on the road with these teams. Uh, but again, you know, the, one of the first plays I made this summer was Cleveland, and that was before uh, we had the injury, the calf injury to uh, Joe Burrow. And obviously he's going to play in this game the way they're talking, but I still think Cleveland's the right side there. Okay. Let's go to Saturday, Scott. And uh, you're, you're uh, I don't want to say your alma mater, but uh, your hometown team, your Nebraska Cornhuskers. Talk about a line switch in this one. You know, you had a look-ahead line of, of what Nebraska favored basically by a touchdown, then Colorado does what they did to TCU last week, and all of a sudden, boy, we got like an 8, 9, 10-point swing in this one where now the Colorado Buffaloes are a three-point favorite and, and maybe even rising. I don't know here. This used to be a rivalry, as we know, but uh, give me some thoughts on, on this. And we know the public loves, like I said, the Janet Jackson theory. What have you done for me lately? Seems like everyone loves the Buffaloes now on Coach Prime. Yeah, we just got to hope they don't have a war road malfunction if you're back at the Colorado Rockies and Janet Jackson. But, <laughs> you know, Nebraska has been as much as an eight-point favorite in a couple of books this summer. And Colorado was as much as a four-point favorite in a couple of books just a couple of days ago. And that line has gone down today. It was three, three and a half. It's down to two and a half in most of the books, including the Westgate uh, at last check. So, 
you can see what's going on right now. I mean, obviously, the public's in love with Dion. They're going to be all over Colorado, just like they were last week. I was at the Westgate during the uh, second half of the Colorado TCU game. I mean, there, 98% of the people, I think, were cheering for the Buffaloes in that one, and I expect that to be the same this week. But, I mean, if you're as sharp, it's almost like you've got to take Nebraska when they were three, three and a half, with that line moving one and a half, uh, 11 points based off of one week of performance. Now, having said that, you're also got to plug your nose if you're going to back Nebraska and play Jeff Sims. And I just can't do that, guys. I had to pass this game. The Husker positive from last week, we all know about blown leads in the fourth quarter under Scott Frost, and they did it again the other night when they looked like they had a great shot at winning that football game. The positive, they were the more physical team in the fourth quarter, much more physical than Minnesota, but the mistakes did them in. We, kept, we couldn't say that when Scott Frost was there, that this was the more physical team in those losses in the fourth quarter. Real interesting stat that keeps me off this game. Obviously, Sims is no great passer, 31 touchdowns, 26 picks. If I'm Matt Rule, this guy does not throw a single pass in the first quarter. I, I decided to go subset. Check these out. In the second half of Sims' uh, games in his career, a 19-7 to touchdown to INT ratio. In the first half, 12 touchdowns, 19 picks. Take it a step further. In the first quarter in his career, he's got six touchdowns and 12 interceptions. This guy does not throw a single pass in the first quarter, maybe first half. If I'm Nebraska, just keep running the football. Last point about Colorado, the reason I can't back Colorado, uh, they went up against a really bad and overrated TCU defense. That TCU defense has given up 155 points in its last three games, 52 points per game, 560 yards per game, almost seven yards per play, and they've only picked off 2%, less than 2% of the last 110 pass attempts against them. So I, I like what Dion's done. He might be revolutionizing college football as a head coach, but we've got to put it into perspective for at least now and say they went up against a very, very soft TCU defense that other teams have hammered for most of the last season. So it's, it's a, if I had to play it, my gosh, I just can't, can't get past Nebraska, shoots themselves in the foot, and there's enough leftovers on this team from the Scott Frost era to where if things start going sideways, their mental block might be there that here we go again. So I hate to weasel out and say I don't have a play, but that's the case. Scott, I have the best way to watch Nebraska because you know that those games can be really ugly to watch. This Saturday, every time one of the announcers says Coach Prime during the broadcast, <laughs> you take a shot. You will be... Out of action by the end of the first quarter. I was going to say, you're going to be hammered. <laughs> you're going to have to replace me on next Thursday's show. I'll still be hungover. Marco. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's like they were talking about what a great game the Nebraska-Minnesota game was. And you know what I thought about that? I was like, sometimes two bad teams can make for an exciting finish. You know, that's about it. It was a sloppy game. Scott, Alabama-Texas, what do you got? Yeah, I lean towards Alabama in this one, guys. Uh, this number's right right now looks like seven on Alabama. Saw a couple of books up to seven and a half yesterday afternoon, and of course it was bouncing around that total fifty-two and a half to fifty-seven back and forth. We did have that miracle win last year for Bama, and Bryce Young, the miracle worker, is now paying, uh, playing for pay on Sundays. Uh, but listen, I, I trust power ratings, my power ratings, and Bama is a five-point neutral site, not a five-point, five-point neutral site favorite for me. And they're, of course, playing at home. And I don't give everybody a blanket three-point home field advantage, so I give a little bit more to Bama. Uh, the one thing about Texas and what keeps me from really jumping in on the tide is that Quinn Ewers was eating up this defense last year when he got hurt. He was 9 for 12, 
134 yards. They were leading in the game, and then he got banged up and hurt. Another potential play, and I know Alabama doesn't have uh, a known commodity, so to speak, at quarterback. That total last year was 64.5 when it closed. It's down to 54 in a lot of rooms. I kind of lean towards the over. I think Alabama finds a way to win by 10 points. Scott Spritzer, DocSports.com. Go there. Subscribe to Scott's plays. Uh, doesn't matter the sport. He is uh, one of the finest handicappers in the land. Uh, doesn't matter the sport. And uh, he will be on the action Saturday and Sunday. And, of course, join us for our best bets, of course, uh, up on the website each and every Friday. And uh, hopefully, Scott, you'll get some time to, to join us, uh, hopefully, on, on some of these Fridays coming up. That would be great. I really am trying. I really will try to be down there because that would be awesome to be with you guys right there in the, in, the, uh, in the casino. You got it, brother. All right, man. Good luck to you this weekend, man. And we'll talk Take to you care, soon. Take care, guys. Good luck, Marco. Take care. There he is. All right, Scott Spritzer, Marco D'Angelo in the house. And, again, fortunate enough to have two of my all-time favorite handicappers. Just not favorite, but just best. I mean, their record really speaks for itself and has over the decades. Not to say you guys are old or we're old or anything, but just the longevity factor uh, is fantastic. And uh, to be part uh, of our show, especially, again, for this football season with our best bets, uh, sight to be seen. So, Appreciate you, appreciate Scott, appreciate everybody, man, and uh, and glad you can uh, be with us uh, each and every Friday, Marco here, and then on Monday for the recap section as well. The bookend. The bookend, <laughs> my guy. All right, I am off to Phoenix. Uh, so tomorrow uh, I will be in Phoenix. Marco will be in studio. So tomorrow we get our football handicapping aspect on, just continuing basically what we did today. Uh, best bets will be taking place. Our good friend Trevor Manage back with us for best bets as well. So make sure that you join us uh, 2 o'clock tomorrow, and uh, we'll preview the NFL and also recap what we see from tonight's game between the Chiefs and the Lions. And again, we got Saturday college football action, NFL on Sunday, and of course, Monday Night Football, a big one with the Bills and the Jets. For Marco D'Angelo and Numchuk back in the studio, T.C. Martin saying so long. I want to thanks to Scott Spritzer, Marco D'Angelo, and Jay Cornegay for joining us here at the Westgate. Get signed up. Super contest. Entries close Saturday at 3 p.m. All of your great football handicap coverage here on the T.C. Martin Show. And you got it Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Back here at the Westgate next Friday. We'll talk to you tomorrow from Phoenix slash Las Vegas. And if you missed any part of the show, go to the website. Go hear the interview with Asia Wilson. See our aces break down and everything at tcmartinshow.com.